Our first scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 12, and then 1 Corinthians 3, 4 through 9, and then 21 through 23. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollo watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. So my son Levi, uh, actually all my kids, are now right in the start of soccer season. Um, which if you haven't had little kids uh, for a while in sports means that we have uh, three boys. We have three different ages of boys, so we have three different teams, and we have three different practice schedules, and then we have three different game uh, schedules, so that's what it's like at my house uh, right now. We have soccer uh, down in Murphy's, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, and then a good chunk of Saturday, so pray for us. No. <laughs> No, the reason I'm telling you this is because, because we, we, we enjoy soccer as a family. It's a fun thing, uh, and the kids enjoy it. And, and one of the best things with uh, being in sports, you know, those of you that have little ones in sports or maybe did it yourself, uh, you meet all these new friends, right? You meet all these, these other things. And one of the neat things with our area is we have to drive to Murphy's to go to practice, which means we don't, like, drop off the kid and go home because uh, you're already 15 minutes away from my house. So... Uh, we drive down there, and a lot of the parents kind of hang out, even at practices, and you get to know each other and uh, meet with each other. So last year, they were all in soccer, uh, and Levi, in particular, is the one I want to talk about, our middle son, and he made some really good friends on his soccer team. Uh, and one of his good friends is named Noah, and just yesterday, we had the day where all the kids show up in their uniforms, and they're all going to do like their group pictures together. And then you get the little individual ones, and you can get the little card that you like mail to grandma, and uh, all that stuff. And we found out that Levi and his friend Noah are on different teams. Oh, all right. I mean, it's just the way the world works, right? Sometimes. I mean, so we have uh, we have a kid on the green team, and Noah is on the blue team. And I don't. Never the two shall meet. Uh, and, and it was just kind of cute. We were explaining this, you know, kind of joking with the kids. Uh, and Noah actually has a sister who's uh, adopted. She's from a different country, and she's still kind of learning English. Uh, she's, she's really good, but she's still kind of 
picking up on like jokes and stuff like that. They're a little harder to pick up on. Uh, so she was trying to follow the conversation when we were joking with the two kids about you know, being on different teams this year uh, and asked about it. And her dad, he, he explained it this way. She, he said, see, Levi is now on the green team, which means Levi is the enemy of, of Noah, <laughs> which, which is funny. He's saying it in a funny way, and, and, and we all laugh. And, and it's one of those things that uh, if you were going to make like a really cheesy drama movie, you'd be like, can the relationship survive? You know, this tension that is now built up. And the answer is yes, the relationship can because their parents are friends and, and they'll just be uh, kids. But uh, as we get into our scripture today, we see churches or, or a church that is dividing on things that maybe aren't quite that silly, but they're not much better. Uh, the church isn't doing much better than the, than the kid that's on the green team against the kid that's on the blue team. Um, and as we dive into 1 Corinthians, this is our, our first week diving into these texts, we're actually going to look at kind of this larger section. This is a sermon that is covering chapter 1 through 4, uh, and I can't possibly cover chapter 1 through 4, so you're going to have to read uh, on your own. Um, but, but kind of a little background information, the church in Corinth, so this is planted by Paul, which means Paul uh, went there on a missionary journey. Uh, there was no followers of Jesus in Corinth at the time. They hadn't heard uh, the good news. They haven't heard who Jesus was. And he comes into this city, uh, and Paul, as a missionary, starts to teach. And he reaches, uh, we read about this in the book of Acts, he reaches really two different kind of groups of people. One of them is people who were Jewish uh, people, and then they're learning about this, the Messiah that has come. So there's these Jewish Christians, uh, and then later on, uh, he, Paul kind of gets rejected by a lot of the, the main Jewish leaders in town. Uh, they actually threaten him. It's, it's all, uh, again, in the book of Acts. And, and Paul says, fine, then I'm going to go to the Gentiles. I'm going to go to the non-Jewish people, mostly the Greek people. Corinth is in Greece. Uh, so he's going to go to the Greek people and now tell them about Jesus. Uh, and Paul stays in Corinth for about a year and a half uh, and then moves on to a different place to be a missionary there. And he leaves behind uh, this church that we read in the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, it's clearly divided. And they're not just divided among this, uh, are you a Jewish Christian or are you a Gentile Christian? They're divided among many, many, many things. And they keep letting everything divide them further. So again, we're going to listen to this text. We're going to listen to this with kind of one ear looking back in time, one ear hearing about the church in Corinth, and, and one ear listening for right now. Because we're, we're kind of in a divided church, right? Hopefully this is not shocking to you. The church in America, I would say, is a pretty divided church. The church in America is a, is a church where, where people follow many different things, and sometimes they just follow someone's personality, uh, and, and then they divide over it. They're not, just, they're not just enjoying going to church in a certain way. They actually think negatively of, of the other group, whatever the other group is, and and of course, we all have everything perfectly figured out, and they're all fools and idiots uh, for how they believe, and, and this is like par for the course. This has become the, the normal. This is just how we uh, are doing things at the church. So as I read 1 Corinthians, uh, part of it just hits home so much, because we read in this text, and all of a sudden it's just like, I realize this is Corinth, but this is kind of us. So we're going to be mindful of that as we look in. A little 
bit about the city of Corinth. As I mentioned, it was in Greece, uh, or what we call modern-day Greece. It's this major economic center uh, this city was. It was a pretty rich city, and, and it was a city that was well-known for trade, both along land uh, routes and by sea. Uh, in cities in the ancient world that had a lot of trade, they could charge uh, a fee for the trade coming through the town, and it meant the city was often very wealthy. And the city was often very diverse, because if you're trading by sea, you're getting people from all over their known world that are now living in that area. Uh, many, many languages being spoken, many cultures uh, there, and uh, particularly for Corinth, there's a lot of temples to a lot of gods. A lot of Greek gods, a lot of Roman gods, Egyptian gods. There's temples from all over their world uh, right there in Corinth, and there's people worshiping at these temples, and it's been uh, kind of woven into every part of everyday life. So Paul spends a year and a half there. It's in, in Acts chapter 18. Uh, and after a while, he moves on, but he starts receiving reports that this church that he has left behind is not doing too well. That, that problems have uh, come to the surface, uh, a number of things, and that prompts Paul with the Holy Spirit to write the book of 1 Corinthians. So really, as we look at 1 Corinthians, it's kind of this, uh, this collection of, of Paul as their leader, along with the Holy Spirit, kind of correcting this early church who fell in love with Jesus. They fell in love with the good news of who Jesus was and then failed miserably when it came to acting that out. So, so they love Christ. They, they, they love the good news that's been presented to them. They've accepted it. And then when they've looked at the world around them, how do I live this out? How do I act uh, in accordance with this, how much of my life is really affected by this Jesus, and, and can I just compartmentalize him and say, well, that's just my religious self. Again, this shouldn't sound familiar to any Americans, right? Uh, how, how do I live this out? Can I just put Jesus in this one little area and then live out my whole rest of my life in a different way? And Paul is writing to them saying, no, what, what this should mean, now that you're a follower of Jesus, is that this should affect every area of your life. You can't just be a follower on the side uh, and then live exactly the same as you were always living in these other uh, places of life. So how I like to describe this is, is I think the, the Corinthians have kind of lost their first love. They fell in love with Jesus, and then when it became the complicated world around them, they've kind of uh, started acting in their same old Ways and they've kind of lost their passion. They've lost their love. They've lost their connection to Jesus. And it has started to not affect how they live in their world. It's not affecting their relationships with other people. It's not affecting how they live as a family. It's not affecting how they live as a community or, or how they live out uh, when they're at work or whether they're with people that, that they maybe disagree with that they're living in their same old patterns, their same old way of living, and they've kind of added Jesus in. Instead of adding Jesus and realizing that it's going to affect all the rest of it. That if you add Jesus into the center, that it's going to affect their relationships. It's going to affect their family and their community and their work, and it's going to make a difference in every single area. So in chapters 1 through 4, we get to the first of the problems, and I've already talked about it a little bit. It's this division problem in the church. The church uh, is not one church in Corinth. Actually, it's probably a bunch of different house churches 
all throughout this major city. So it's not, it's not one church as far as they're meeting on, on Sunday mornings anyway. But not only is it split up in different house churches, there's nothing wrong with that. They have started following certain people, certain personalities. They've actually ranked it higher than being a Christian as a whole. So they're saying, sure, sure I follow Christ, but, but well, what, what kind of Christ do you follow? Who's, whose version of that story do you follow? And they've actually started picking different leaders. And they're saying, well, I, I actually follow Paul's version of Christianity, or I follow Apollos, who's, uh, again, we read about in Scripture, Apollos is around. We're told that Apollos is from Athens, which is the center of philosophy. Uh, we're also told that Apollos is great at public speaking, that that even sometimes it sounds like when people are writing to Paul, that they're like, Paul, just wait till you hear Apollos. He's so amazing. <laughs> and so Apollos, some people really like that. Some people are really latched onto Apollos. And they're like, yeah, I follow Apollos. Other people, it says they follow Cephas, which just is another name for Peter. Uh, it means rock, just like Peter does, just for different language. So, so some are following Paul. Some are following Apollos, who came later. Some are following Peter. And the church is dividing over these things. Let's read some of it here. This is 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10 through 12. Paul speaking into this context. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. Let's pause for a second. Why would Paul appeal to them for that to be their reality? Because it's not. <laughs> right? right? He would probably say that if they were already living it up. I mean, he's not going to waste uh, you know, time in the letter to point out something that they're already doing really well. Sometimes he encourages them. I mean, that will happen. But, but if he's appealing to them to be unified, we could understand that they are not unified right now. Right? They are split among all these things. And Paul is saying, oh, I just wish that you were unified. We can see it more here. Verse 11. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there's quarrels among you. What I mean by this is one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. And another, I follow Cephas, which is Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. So what's going on here? So Paul was the first one that came. He taught them about Jesus. Uh, and some of the Christians are, are saying, I just, I just want to follow Paul's teachings when it comes to, comes to understanding Scripture, when it comes to understanding uh, their Bible at the time. I just want to follow what Paul says. And then other teachers came through. We're told that Apollos came later. Uh, and Apollos helped build up this church. He helped mature them. He helped uh, them see maybe some of the things that they weren't actually doing that was God-honoring. And, and, and some people are like, I really like Apollos. Apollos is my person. I'm going to follow after Apollos. And then other people are attached to Peter, and there's uh, there's, there's some evidence to say that it might be even be the Jewish Christians that really like Peter. Because Peter, in a lot of his writings, he's, he's a little more on the Jewish Christian side, and, and Paul says, I'm sent to the Gentiles, so maybe, maybe that's where the division is. Maybe it's, maybe it's these different house churches that certain ones decided, I want to follow 
uh, what Paul says, and another one says, well, we don't like Paul as much. We're going to follow Apollos. And then another one, I'm going to follow Peter. But, but not only are they divided, they're actually against each other. They, they don't think that they're just different teammates on the same team. They actually think that like one's on the green team and one's on the blue team and one's on, I don't know, the yellow team. Right, and, and they're going to fight again. They're actually, uh, we're told that they actually they talk poorly about each other. You know, when new people come to the church, they say, don't go to that church down the street. They're, they're an Apollos church. We're not an Apollos church here. We're a Paul church. Again, does not, does not happen in America, so we can just brush that off. But, but you know, back then, just try to understand them. Try to, try to understand where they're coming from. Not only are they following these leaders, which in itself is not terrible, but they're, they're dividing over it. I don't go to that home church. That's, that's like Peter people over there. And you need to come with us, because we're actually following Paul. You know, and and Paul, Paul's the one that's got it right. Everyone else has got it wrong. And, and you, you can't follow Apollos. You can't follow uh, you know, Paul or Peter, and, and they're just dividing over all this. And what they're doing is they're acting just like their old way of behaving. So remember, they've accepted Jesus, but, but they're not living it out in every area. And they're in Greece. And what you did back then in Greek philosophy was you picked a leader, and you followed that person. So they've accepted Jesus, but then they just lived into their old patterns. And their old, it's like the rut in the road where like the tires go, and it's really strong. And they, they haven't gotten out of it yet. So they've, they've accepted Jesus and they're like, but I want to follow a person. But I want to follow a certain way of teaching. I want to follow a certain group of people. And, and not only are they following that, but they're using that to divide them from each other. It's really tragic when you think about it. We're told in other places in 1 Corinthians that one of the big problems is that people outside of the church are confused. And that people outside of the church really are not sure they want anything to do with Jesus because of the divisions within the church. That kind of hits home, doesn't it? The people outside of the church are looking in and they're saying, I don't know about this church thing. Because they can't even agree with themselves. You know, they all, they all think they got it right, but, but one of them, you know, they, they want to follow this leader, they want to follow that leader, and they, they're, they're letting that split them in how they behave. And Paul's saying, no, 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 I got, I got to write this letter. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is, is with them and say, you got to write this letter, Paul, <laughs> uh, because these people need to hear this. So what's Paul going to say? We're going to jump ahead here to uh, chapter 3. Starting in verse 4, this is woven all the way through chapters 1 through 4. So chapter 3, starting in verse 4. He says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you, are you not mere human beings? After all, what is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Paul says, I, I planted seed and Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. 
So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. For the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. For we are all co-workers in God's service. And you are God's field, God's building. So Paul is saying to them, why are you choosing to follow people? Why are you choosing, you know, this person, you know, Paul, he writes really well. He, he, he writes these letters, and, and we love to follow him. So we're going to be Paul people. And, and Apollos, he's a great public speaker. I really like how Apollos speaks. He kind of draws it all together. He's really dynamic. Uh, so I'm, we're going to follow Apollos, or, or we're going to follow Peter for, I don't know, whatever Peter does, awesome. Um, I'm assuming there's a lot. Uh, and, and we're going to follow after that. You know, well, Peter was with Jesus. There you go. <laughs> Peter was right there uh, alongside Jesus. So he's going to be our person. And Paul says, no, all it is is that, that I came first. I, I presented the gospel to you. That was a job given to me from God. And, and then Apollos came later. He helped water that, helped, the, helped it grow. You were using this plant metaphor here. He's helping this garden grow of, of faith as these seeds mature. And it, it's like, why, why, why divide over this? Why is this the thing you have chosen? Why are you dividing over, over this silly stuff? These are all human beings. These are all just earthly servants of Jesus. One planted the seed, the other watered it, but neither made him grow. That's what God's role was. And, and it's almost... I said before, it's almost comical if it didn't apply so much. I mean, if we could just look back at the, at the Corinthian church and be like, wow, they really got that wrong. Moving on, chapter 5 now. Uh, it wouldn't be that bad. But, but we look around at our world around us and we're like, we have not learned this lesson. We have, we have not learned this lesson. I mean, it, it isn't just this simple, but, but look around. I mean, there's, we're divided amongst churches. We're divided amongst denominations, amongst... Uh, regions, you start looking at the global church, we're really divided on many, many things. You know, I follow Luther, or I follow Wesley, or I follow Calvin. I mean, we literally put those names in the names of the denomination. And, and we're part of a denomination here at Chapel. We're part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, and, and I think that's great. I think it can be really great. I think it can be great as it helps equip leaders. It can be great as we are kind of resourced together and connected with other believers. So, so I think denominations are good, but is that our allegiance? Is that our priority? I mean, that's a, it's an issue of what is, what is your priority? What's the highest priority? Are you a follower of Jesus? Or do you follow a certain set of theology and think that that's somehow higher than following Christ? I think, I think the denomination issue is great, but if I were to look at the modern church, I would say it might be like 20 years old of an application. Here's what I mean by that. I think a lot of churches and a lot of Christian people are not so tied to Luther or tied to Kelvin uh, as they are tied to an individual person's personality, an individual leader, 
Some of them have great big churches. Some of them have little tiny churches. That, that doesn't matter as much, but they go to a church and they say, this is the leader I want to follow. This is the personality. I like, I like the pastor of this church. Or I like the pastor of that church. And somehow this ranking system has got all messed up. Where not only do they like the pastor of one church, they, they view the other church as somehow like they're on the other team. Like that's somehow the enemy. And then churches are fighting against each other. Oh, you can't go to that church. That's terrible. And, and, and you got to come to my church. My church has it all figured out. Right? I, I follow Pastor John. He's at Chapel in the Pines. You're supposed to chuckle. <laughs> I, I follow Pastor John at Chapel. You know, well, well, I go to Mountain Christian. You know, I go to Mountain Christian and I follow Pastor Bart. And he's really awesome. And then somebody else, they go, they go no, 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 I go to Big Trees. Big Trees is wonderful. Pastor Jeff, oh, he's got it all figured out. And then somebody else, no, I go to Oak Circle, I follow Pastor Wyatt. How silly is this? But the church still does it, even in that small of an area. If you don't know those churches, they're all local. <laughs> uh, and, and even in this small of an area, people let that divide a church, like a capital C church, the Church of Jesus Christ. They let it split it all up. It's not, it's not saying it's bad that you go to one church and you worship there and you have friends there and whatever, uh, but it's pretty bad if you think poorly of another church. It's pretty bad if you don't just think poorly, but you actually wish poorly of another church. Hopefully that doesn't convict too much, but I know what happens. Some people say, oh, I want my church to flourish, and, and if that means this other church doesn't flourish, then, well, the will of God. <laughs> you know, they kind of write it off. They're like, and, and the, these are our teammates. These are our people. You know, if you've been involved in, in any sports at any level, you know, what do you do when your teammate's suffering, when your teammate's going through a hard time? You come alongside them. You support them. You're a really terrible teammate if you turn around and start talking bad about them. Hopefully that's like coached out of you by, I don't know, the end of elementary school, certainly. You know, we're on the same team as all these other believers, but, but people let it divide them. Some people say, well, I go to church online because I like that person. You like a person? You go to church because you like a person? That just feels icky to me. Like it makes me feel a little bit sick to my stomach. You know, Paul goes on, he says, you know, the only good these people are are how much they point you to Jesus. That, that's the merit. That's what's going on. It's, it's not that all churches are equal. It's not because all churches aren't pointing people to Jesus the same. Right, but, but what makes a good church leader is that they step aside and they point people to Christ. What makes a good church leader is they don't say, follow me, they say, they say follow him. Follow, he's the one that died for you. None, none of these leaders, whether it's uh, Paul or Apollos or Peter or, or pastors around here or, or pastors on this global level at these, these giant churches, none of them died for you. They, that's not the point. <laughs> they, you're supposed to follow Christ and be united with others. And again, that doesn't mean that we all start going to one giant church. That's okay. Paul's not even saying that here. 
Because Paul knows that the Corinthian church is all in these different house churches. He's not saying, go build a big building and go worship together. That's not Paul's solution. Let's look at verse 21. Paul goes on, he gets really direct here. He says, so then no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether it's Paul or Apollos or Peter or or the world or life or death or the present or the future. These are all yours, and you are in Christ. And Christ is of God. So what he's saying is this is not some issue where, where you need to fall in love with Jesus and then somehow decide what team you're on and then live out that life being on that team and thinking poorly of the other people who are also following Jesus. You know, there, there's an extent to where even in, even in myself, I want to go, okay, we're not that bad. We're not doing it that much. But then, you know, I went to Christian college. <laughs> Christian college, this is like the perfect place where this happens. At least in my experience. It was a non-denominational school, so there's students from all over, and you get a bunch of 18-year-olds together, and many of them do not have the same filters uh, that a lot of us have developed over the years. Maybe some of the same maturity. Thank, thank God we're, uh, we've grown further, and those of you that haven't, you will. Uh, and, and you get them all together, and then you get people who are just so certain that the way they think is true, and that everyone else is a fool... And, and you don't get the relational side that says, I'm supposed to love these brothers and sisters in Christ above all. And you just get a bunch of Christian people together and they just start hurting each other with their theology. It's absolutely fascinating. If you haven't been there, uh, I don't know. Just think about it. <laughs> uh, you, get, you get all these people together. They're not, they're not necessarily uh, great at articulating what's going on. And I don't know how many times... So. So I grew up in a Lutheran church. I was baptized when I was, you know, this big. Uh, and to me, that's my baptism. I don't feel uh, drawn to, to be baptized as, as an adult or anything. Um, I don't know how many times, theologically speaking, in class, I lost my salvation in the discussion. You know, not for real, but, but according to the discussion that was happening, I lost my salvation because I was a baby when I was baptized. That's I mean, we laugh, right? I mean, like, it's like these divisions are, are so, that's it, not a trivial thing, but when it comes to Christ, when it comes to are you a follower of Jesus, um, it's, it's important stuff that's not the most important. Right? And that, that's part of what denominations are. It's, it's splitting up over really important things that, that are not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we're followers of Christ. Is, is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That we follow after him and, and that he was resurrected and that in that resurrection we're promised a new life, we're promised a new beginning and, and we are to live that out in the world now. And then next is, I don't know, all, this, all the theology stuff. Really important, but it's next. And then, and then maybe what church you go to, who you, you know, quote, follow. There's a whole bunch of social media implications there. I don't know. <laughs> followers. And, and then it keeps going down, right? So that's, I'm not trying to say, oh, all these divisions in the church, these are unimportant things. 
What Paul is saying is, these aren't the most important thing. I, I think Paul would be okay with some people liking the way that Apollos teaches as opposed to liking the way that apparently Paul taught or Peter taught. I don't, I don't think Paul would say, no, you all need to, to exactly like you know, the way that one teacher teaches and, and just focus on them. What he's saying is, you can't divide over everything. In dividing, somehow, past, past this book being written, has become like a default in the church. And it's become a default in the American church. I mean, just look back to our last couple elections. How many people in America changed their church because they were looking for certain kind of politics? How many people changed their church because, because when... Uh, all this national crisis stuff came up and there was, there was this Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter thing and they wanted to hear a certain thing from the pulpit. And they changed their church. They divided over it. It's like the default of the American church is to divide. And, and it should break our hearts. COVID came and everyone divided. How's my church responding? Do I like how my church is responding? I'll just switch church. And often there, I probably talk poorly about the other one. And I just let it split me apart. And the church in America is just split apart. And then we look around, and, and people are looking at us, and they're like, I don't know about that Jesus. I don't know about, look at, look at his people. They can't agree on anything. They just fight with each other. Not, not even like, not even like brothers and sisters fight. Like they like hate each other. They don't get people that are supposedly brothers and sisters in Christ. They don't get along at all. They don't speak because because of these other divides that have come in. And when the next thing comes, my fear is that it's just going to divide again. And as, and as I look back in history, all the evidence says that it will. That the next controversial thing will come and the church will divide. And then the next thing will come and it will divide again. And then it will divide again. And, and all the time our witness to a hurting and broken world will be divided and will be divided and will be divided. And it will be just, just watered down. To the point where the good news doesn't even sound appealing. Paul came to the church in Corinth and he started preaching a message of good news that, that Jesus died for them, that there's a way out of, of all these struggles of the world, that, that they've been hurting, that they've been in pain, that they've looked around and they said, how do I get into a right relationship with God? I don't even know how to live uh, in this world. And Paul came with an answer. And the answer was Jesus. And that's the answer that we still have. And, and then we try to give it out into the world, and it's so watered down by all this other stuff that, that people literally look at the best news in the world and they say, I don't know if I'm interested. And that should, that should shatter us inside. That should break our hearts. 
You know, if, if, we, if we're just aware of it, if we open our eyes, we, we should be on our knees praying that God would unite us. And, and not some artificial, not that like, oh, all denominations disappear and all of a sudden there's one church. It's probably not going to happen. But what if the priority, what, what if the main thing was the main thing? And, and all the next things, the really important things that, that are next, what, what if those weren't important as the main thing? What if those weren't as important as Jesus? And we could look at other churches, we could look at other believers and, and just partner with them, cheer them on, pray for them, pray that God would bless them. It, I think it would be beautiful. And, and I thank God that the book of 1 Corinthians is in our Bible. Because it's really hard, I think, I think it's really hard to read 1 Corinthians and not see what's going on in our world. <laughs> not see what's going on in our church. Not, not see that we're living in, in such similar ways. And yet, that gives us an opportunity to repent. And what repentance means is that, that it gives us an opportunity to turn back towards God. That we've been walking in one way, that we've been acting in one way, we've been letting ourselves be divided, and we can turn around and go back to Jesus. And like in the prodigal son story where, where the son turns around, he starts running home, and his father is right there running towards him. I think God is right there. That if the church would, would just say, God, we're sorry for the ways that we've been divided. And we're really sorry for the ways that that has hurt our witness. Uh, not, not just to the world, but, but our witness to our relatives, our witness to our family, to our friends, to our community, to people we work with, all, all those around us that, that has hurt our witness. And God, we're sorry. We're humble. We want to turn back to you. Lord, show me how to pray for other believers, even ones I know I disagree with. Even ones I know view the world so different than I do. Let me just pray to them. Let me come to them. This whole book of 1 Corinthians is, is about the gospel of Jesus, which, which just simply means the good news. It's about the good news of Jesus breaking into a world and how it's not just good moral advice. It's not just good advice about how to live as good moral people in the world, but, but it's an announcement about Jesus that should change everything. It should change everything about how we live. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, 34, Jesus says these words. And I'll end with this. Again, this is John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another.